Good morning. morning. It's so nice to see everyone and to sit on this beautiful day. It's certainly a continuing lesson in impermanence here at 266 West Seneca Turnpike. How many of you were here when this building burned? One, two, three, four. What was it, six days before my transmission ceremony was to happen? And so we experienced this very place under a white tent on the front lawn and went back to building again. And cultivating gardens with a master plan from a very well-known landscape architect student here at the time, now living in Seattle, Vaughn Winner and planting and cultivating and caring for the beautiful six acres. And then big change happened again. Mjorin told me that the spruce that was taken down as part of the project that the city is doing to prevent uh, rainwater from going into the creek and the lake. A worthy enterprise, to be sure. That the spruce here was about 140 years old, according to the rings that she examined. I was here on Tuesday after everyone had left and I watched them and I could feel as they hacked away at those limbs I could feel it in my own body and now we walk on the path many of you have worked to distribute the remains of that tree and others on our path in the woods. We too someday will become part of the great way walked upon by countless generations of practitioners of the way. Of course, we have understandably deep attachment not only to trees, buildings, but especially this building. Crumbling as it may be, we tend not to notice and assume 
at least some of you who are under a certain age, that it will be around for a while. I hope so. But we don't know. And this don't know is really the heart of our practice. Before the last sitting, I said a few words about the importance of posture and breathing, and these certainly are helpful to keep in mind for all of us. Even if we've been sitting a long time, we can notice after a while, maybe our spines are kind of compressing and losing their wonderful elasticity and breath, B-R-E-A-D-T-H, so that breath can flow, so that energy can pervade not only our own bodies, how can we say where those bodies end? The great body of the universe itself is each breath when we are present. So this so-called method of sitting, there is no method, okay? Just throw it away. But little pointers can be helpful sometimes. Reminders. So that we can really experience Otherwise, our minds are, you know, going along in their usual self-centered way and thinking about what's wrong and how this is no longer possible because we're so old we can't even get up anymore or whatever, you know? It's okay. If we're really with it, and that's all that posture and breathing can help us with, just to be present to whatever is happening, realizing that we are that. And when that goes, then what? This is the vast space that we can experience It's really impossible to give a talk without creating some illusion of some separate permanent reality. Words do that. So, some people cannot hear very well. That's good. You can ignore. Inside you is the little bird. Much more important than anything I say. To listen to this bird. See? Gone. We start our morning service chanting 
what the Buddha told his disciples who were mourning his imminent departure, his parinirvana. And so distressed were they to lose their great teacher. Because then what? Of course, his most important teachings were Hmm? Impermanent suffering. Atadipa. They were memorized. Mm -hmm. Teaching is this. No words. Held up a flower. Someone smiled. Then, of course, he used words, now I give, you know, I have the wonderful dharma and the true mind of this and that and the other thing. But basically, there was nothing to give. The minute we say, oh, the marvelous mind of nirvana, everyone gets into some idea, some concept, of something to gain. I want that. That sounds good. How long can I have it? Will it last forever? There are all kinds of crazy questions that are triggered by words. So, Of course, his disciples did want something from him. And yes, you are all right. He did teach using words here and there. His first sermon, which he was besieged to give, he had no intention of saying a word after his great enlightenment. But finally, he was reminded of how many beings are suffering, pretty much all, right now. Could you please give us something? Please give us a sermon. And he did. He said, yes, you're suffering. Why? Of course, most of us immediately think of all the things that are wrong that have to do with our circumstances, with other people in our lives. But the Buddha taught what are you doing that creates this suffering? Well, for one thing, you have an idea of a you, an I, a separate I. I should have, I need, why can't I continue to? You can fill in the dots. But basically, that second noble truth, why is Dukkha? 
revolves around a separate self. A belief in that separate self. That must be protected. Many, many years ago, there was a British comedy on public TV, and in it was a line that was repeated often, a kind of rueful but humorous line spoken by a man who was married to a woman who was pretty sure she had it all together. And he would say, she who must be obeyed about pretty much anything that would arise in their marriage. He knew the way to a happy marriage. She who must be obeyed. Okay. You said we should have little cafe curtains made of that cute little yellow polka dot. Let's go get them. Whatever it was. If we feel we must be obeyed. We are guaranteed to fall into suffering. Because, unfortunately, other people are walking around feeling that way too. And they don't get it. That we are the only ones who should be obeyed. So, third noble truth. Okay, they don't get it. How about just sitting down and stopping? Stop the whole process. Stop that whole concoction of the separate self, that whole idea that you know the way things should be and that the most important thing is to protect that self against all invaders. If you drop it, just sit. So of course, that's what we do. We come in, we sit down, try to get ourselves in a good posture on our sitting bones. We try to elongate the spine. We become aware of our breath coming and going, really being the entire exhalation. And we have this great intention of having no extraneous thoughts. That lasts for about what? Hmm? Yeah, a couple seconds. Then before we know it, oh, I have so much pain. Oh, why can't I breathe? Oh, this is terrible. What is he going to ring the bell? <laughs> Maybe I'll have some tea. <laughs> there are all kinds of things that come to mind that we think will improve the situation. And they don't have anything to do with that third noble truth of cessation. They are a continuum of ideas and plans and schemes, right? Can you think of one? I 
I see that all of you enter into Zazen without a single concept disturbing you. That's so wonderful. Mm. So the Buddha taught it's unlikely that that will be the case for very long. So we have this eightfold path we can follow, a kind of reminder, a fourth noble truth, a reminder of what's important, how we live our lives, that we can say the way we live is conducive to strong practice, serious practice, breaking through the obsessions, and compulsions that really dog everyone. And seeing clearly for ourselves what this reality is. Seeing clearly that the truth is not somewhere out there, but that it is within and around us simultaneously that when we hear the insects singing, we are entirely one with this Atadipa. So Atadipa can be translated two ways. Atta means you, you, each one of you. Deepa in the Mahayana tradition is usually translated as light. You are the light itself. Dwell in this light. Trust in this light. It's also translated in the Theravadan tradition as island, meaning an island as a refuge or a place you can trust in the stormy sea of samsara. So this right here, right now, Well, right here, right now, in this moment, which never is static, always flowing, as you said, impermanence. Impermanence only feels wrong if you're not flowing with it, right? If you stop and you say, okay, I'm staying here. This is my island. Oops, burned up. Now what? If you really are this flowing quality, Atadipa, this light, then this dwell, this viharata, can be understood. No one place, no one time. A great mind revealing always what comes next 
Atasarana. Hmm? Which means? You are the refuge. Not some guy who was a prince and then became enlightened some 2600 years ago. Right here, right now, you are the refuge. This is what he taught. You. What is this you? This is where it gets a little tricky. You are the light. You are the refuge. Anana Sarana, there is no other refuge. Don't go seeking it outside. It is outside. If you realize it's none other than you yourself, this you unpolluted by ideas of a separate selfhood. This is the tricky part, right? Anana Sarana. Dhamma Deepa. Dhamma is Pali for dharma, Sanskrit for, what does it mean? Dharma? Dharma? What is dharma? We can say the teaching. We can say all things are dharma. This revealing, right here, right now. Even the certitude that your life is not good enough, that you have been carrying around a huge burden of karma and it will never leave you. That certitude too is dharma. That's what we work with. When we don't divide what we perceive of as reality into good and bad, this and that, self and other, life and death, sound and silence, Dharma is revealing in everything. We don't believe this. And therefore, we are caught up in all manner of suffering because we feel cut off from this excluded from this. 
And even when we enter fully into the realization of this, we're not always able to sustain the trust in this. Something can happen that shakes us deeply. And we find ourselves falling into that certitude of being separate from an outsider. So his, this is where the most important thing to turn to is compassion. To have compassion for ourselves, for the difficulties we've experienced that have had such a lasting effect. What do we do instead of having compassion for these difficulties we experience? Instead of having compassion for ourselves, what do we do? We judge, right? We blame. Hmm? We fight. We fight against it. Mm-hmm. Anyone else familiar with this? We beat ourselves up. We beat ourselves up. It's my fault for carrying around bad karma. So we double the load. And to come to a sincere practice of awakening requires us to turn from beating ourselves up to fully embracing ourselves as we are, knowing that we will never again be this way. Have you ever noticed how you remember perceived slights or criticisms very strongly and identify with them, but when somebody gives you a compliment, it's like, yeah, right. That's not real. That person doesn't know what I'm really like. And this is a, just an example of the way we have continued to be our own worst enemies. Why? Because we have this belief in a separate self that needs to be protected against basically itself, right? But it seems as though it's coming at us. And we make it into that sort of thing within as well. So, it's not easy to say, okay, I may feel really bad about that, what I said, what I did, I'm no good, all of these things that I have heaped on myself. But what if I just really did what is suggested to me as a practice? This is really revolutionary, okay? What if I just sat down and gave over? my need to make it even worse than it is. 
Okay? What if I said, okay, all right. I don't know. Truly, I don't know. This knows. Surrender. It's a scary word. Well, if we surrender, then the other side wins. This is mentality. We don't even realize how deeply ingrained it is. I can't surrender or else those forces of whatever will win. Well, we've already seen they won, okay? They already won. And what can we do? Railing against them? I don't think so. What could you possibly win anyway? Yeah, and who can win? Against you whom? Win, win something you want, I don't think so. <laughs> win something you want, right? That's that separate self again, yeah. rearing up. I'm going to get what I feel is mine and hold on to it forever. Okay, we all... Huh? Try it. So here's the three pillars of Zen. Here they are. Great doubt. Great doubt in this separate self. This is absolutely crucial. We have to really look at it. What is this self anyway? You know, Dogen's famous... To study the way is to study the self. To study the self. When you really look at this thing you have created called the self, where is it? Where is it located? Can you summon it up? How much of it is what you've been told and what you've believed about your identity? And how much of it is what you might call dharma, the teachings, the real form, the substance, the essence. All these words are problematic, okay? So please put them in quotation marks. The fundamental reality. Quotation marks because they cannot be created as something to attain to. To have great doubt is absolutely essential. What do we doubt? In the usual small self way, we doubt the Dharma. Well, it can't happen to me. We have skepticism about the fundamental nature of reality. All we believe in is our own ignorance, our own suffering, however you want to put it. We think that's real. So to really doubt to really forget the self, as Dogen said, when you look deeply into the self, where is it? What happens is, it's gone. What happened? Oh, wow. Where's the beginning? Where's the middle? Where's the end? 
I can't find it. To forget the self. What happens? Then you meet yourself in everything, all phenomena, everything you divided into me and out there. Out there is now nothing but your own true awakened being. There is no gap. So this is the process that we go through in our meditation. Great faith cannot be divided, cannot be put aside until we break through that separate self. We must have it at the very beginning. The faith in mind Trust in mind as Sosan Kanchi Zenji, the third ancestor, put it in the verse that we will recite together on Friday, this coming Friday session. To trust in this is the same as surrendering to this. Stop believing that you are required to organize the universe in ways that will benefit you separately from all others. It doesn't work. Maybe now you know that, but sometimes we forget. So to have faith, everything is exactly as it is. That's all we can say may not appeal to us, it may not be what we had hoped for, but it is. And to have faith in the ability to become our original one, this original, many, many ways of putting it, original, true nature, already one from the beginning, but unfortunately, we have believed in a separate being for so long that we have trouble reuniting with awakening that has already and always been who we truly are. You have a taste, then what happens? Maybe something shakes you. This is a good thing. You don't believe it. Challenging you. Go further. When Joshu was enlightened, he said, I am ruined and homeless. How many of you would like to be ruined and homeless? And this is, we're always grasping. Okay, I want something under my feet. I want to believe that I... dot, dot, dot. But to wake up to this, you own nothing. You need to control nothing. 
There is nothing lacking. To enter into this, what we call realization or awakening, we have to have faith that it is who we are. We have to have doubt in everything else that we think we need to be, that we're told to be. And these two rest on the third pillar, which is great determination. determination. This word determination is an interesting word. And it has an aspect of maybe a little bit force, pushing, which we have to get rid of. Again, with words, we are in trouble. But to have a sense that we must continue and continue and continue on this path without any grasping whatsoever. This is the meaning of great determination. Just continuing. This is patience, right? Very important. Because inside the mind, there's this little voice that says, are we there yet? Am I getting, am I getting to it? Maybe if I just... There's no just, except just. There's no object to be attained. Simply continuing to be this present, flowing breath. Being There's a beautiful quote that comes from a passage in um, the Blue Cliff Record that was written by, it's in one of the commentaries by Ango Kokogon, and I wanted to just end with this quotation. An adept of this kind, what I have just described, can't be fooled at all. As before, mountains are mountains, rivers are rivers. You understand this? Mountains are mountains, rivers are rivers. Perhaps some of you are not familiar with the verse. When I first began practicing the way, Mountains were mountains, rivers were rivers. 
something, a taste of something, depth of mountains were not mountains, rivers were not rivers. Now, at last, I realize mountains are mountains, rivers are rivers. So that's what he's referring to. Getting back to this quote. He, you know, of course uses the pronoun he. So I'll use you instead. You are without artifice and without clinging thoughts. You are like the sun and moon moving through the sky without ever stopping and without saying, I have this rank and I'm called that. You are like the sky everywhere covering, like the earth everywhere supporting. Since they have no mind, they bring up and nurture myriad beings without saying, I have so many accomplishments. Since sky and earth have no mind, they last forever. What has mind has limits. A person who has attained the path is like this. In the midst of no activity, third noble truth, you carry out your activities. Whatever comes, simply responding to it and taking care. Accepting all unfavorable and favorable circumstances with a compassionate heart. So that's it, dear friends. That's what we're doing.